And grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, that uh, picture kind of explains it all, doesn't it? You know, as we think about the rich man and Lazarus, I'd like us to uh, focus on Luke chapter 16 this morning, the, the gospel reading that Mr. Whitney shared with us a few moments ago. But you know, you, you look at that picture and um, imagine if you could have 2020 hindsight being the rich man and there would still be opportunity to change from that position that he now is in. You know, when you think about that in your own life, just in general, are there things that, you know, um, you, you wished you could change? in your life history, if you could just go back knowing what you know now, and I bet every one of us in this room would have made some different decisions than what we have made, and it would be quite a blessing if we could go back and change that, couldn't it? And yet, once we've done whatever it is, once we've maybe said harsh words we regret, it's already out there, we can't change that. But boy, hindsight is 2020, or should I say it is for most people. We're going to see it really wasn't for this rich man. Even when he saw the outcome of his lifestyle and his convictions, he still doesn't really have 2020 vision. But you and I, we are blessed to be informed. We are blessed that, that God loves us so much, even in our sinful condition and our rebellion, that he continues to come to this world with the good news of his love. He continues to come to the world with law and gospel, with the hope, with the desire, with the will that people would have a change of heart, turn away from sin, and turn to God. It's a time of grace. The judgment has not yet come, and we live in this time of grace. And you know, the rich man was living in a time of grace. The Word of God was available to him, and uh, we find that uh, he pretty much ignored the Word of God. He certainly enjoyed life, though, didn't he? He lived a very comfortable life, as Jesus describes this individual, dressed well, and, uh, you know, even describing what kind of dress this individual had. And I'm not into fashion today, but you think of some of the top fashion lines, that would be comparable to the purple clothing of the day. Purple dye was worried, uh, worn by the elite, by the very wealthy, because it was so expensive. And so if you had purple clothing, you may even be looked upon as royalty, but you would certainly be known to have a great amount of money. And then we have fine linens that he wore as well. So this is a very elite, wealthy individual. And he ate well, right? Doesn't look like he was ever wondering where the next meal was going to come from. He feasted sumptuously, as Jesus expresses it in this account. Now think about that, dressing well, uh, feasting sumptuously. Does that sound somewhat familiar? I, I think that's somewhat familiar for all of us in this room, isn't it? 
I mean, we are blessed to live in the part of the world that we live in this great nation that, that we are a part of, a, a nation that has been very prosperous for most people. Yes, there are those in poverty, but for most of us, this is somewhat like our lifestyle too. And that should get our attention. But on the other hand, uh, living a comfortable life and, and a life that has many material blessings is not necessarily an evil thing. And that's not the point that Jesus is making as he shares this account. In fact, as we look historically, many godly people were extremely wealthy. For instance, Abraham. Boy, if you follow Abraham's story, when God called him, he had a whole delegation of servants and he had all kinds of livestock. He was an extremely wealthy man. And yet God refers to him as a friend of God. David, he was a person of great affluence. And uh, yet, how does God refer to David? But a man after God's own heart. Or you think of Nicodemus, and I think it's so awesome. In Isaiah 53, we hear that Jesus is going to be buried with the rich and a prophecy of Joseph of Arimathea. Can you imagine being Joseph and 700 years before you even come on the face of the earth, God already knows you by name and knows that your tomb is going to be the one that Jesus' body is going to be buried in. Wow, I think that's just awesome. But anyway, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, uh, Nicodemus, a Pharisee who converted, who followed and believed and trusted in Jesus, uh, both extremely wealthy people. In fact, we learn of Nicodemus' wealth, <clears throat> excuse me, when uh, he was preparing Jesus' burial, preparing his body. And we hear in the Gospel of John that he brought 75 pounds of myrrh and aloe. Now, if you're just kind of middle class or under, that would be an extreme amount of money. That'd be a huge sacrifice. So we know that Nicodemus was a wealthy man as well. And yet, here are two very beloved disciples of the Lord. And so it's not about the fact that the rich man was rich. But the issue here is that the rich man was lost in his pursuit of worldly wealth and pleasure. There's the issue. And so he had misplaced priorities in his life, and he certainly did not seek nor trust God's word. And even though that was the case, if you were with the rich man, I think you'd think he's a pretty decent guy. Because think about it, Lazarus, this pathetic beggar with sores, I mean, can you imagine that sight? And he's laying at the gate of the rich man. I mean, most people would say, get that person out of here. I, this gives a bad reputation for me to have somebody laying there by the gate of my property but the rich man allows him to stay there. So we see even an element of compassion with this rich man. But oh, it's revealed what the real issue is with him when he starts to discuss with Father Abraham as he is now in hell 
And he still doesn't have 20-20 vision. Because what he's pleading and begging for, it has nothing to do with God's will for his life. For instance, in this text, I beg you, Father, to send uh, Lazarus to my father's house. And uh, why? Because if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. So he's demanding signs. He's saying, you know, God, your word is not sufficient, obviously. And so if you would send somebody from the dead, though, then people would really believe. So he's still discounting the power and the authority of God's word and demanding signs. And by the way, in 1 Corinthians 1, the Lord warns about that, doesn't he, through the Apostle Paul. Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. And, and in that case, it's in the context of the foolishness of the cross. Nobody wants to look at the cross but they want signs. They want some kind of special wisdom. And the rich man was in that realm. But then there's the poor beggar. The poor beggar. And he was also blessed to live in this period of grace. And yet the beggar was living in absolute misery, uh, extremely poor apparently, had to beg for food, and physically his life was a mess. But he was still living in God's grace. And you know what's really revealing? Did you notice it? Does the rich man have a name? God doesn't mention his name, does he? But Lazarus, he's the one that's acknowledged by name. Why? Because God knows Lazarus. He knows the rich man too, but God knows Lazarus as one of his special called children of faith. In fact, even in the name Lazarus, the name Lazarus means God is my helper. And so in the very name given to Lazarus, an acknowledgement of where Lazarus' priorities are and where he puts his trust, it's in the Lord. Lazarus trusted in God's word. He also lived in this time of grace, but he also knew the word of God that was readily available to him. And through that word, he believed. Well, that brings it here to this year, to this month, this day that you and I are living at this moment. And we also are blessed to live in God's grace. Nothing's changed. The Lord hasn't returned yet. We are still living. We haven't died. And so we are here with the opportunity, if we don't believe, to come to faith, if we do believe, to continue to grow in this marvelous faith. But today is a real good checkpoint for us. It's really a good day for a personal evaluation. And so I lay the question before you and before me, with whom do you identify? And to be honest with that, can you see yourself more today in the realm of the rich man, in the way that you're thinking and the priorities in your life? And I'm asking me the same thing. Or do you see yourself in the realm of Lazarus? 
And maybe physically you're doing fine, maybe not. Maybe uh, financially you're doing great, maybe not. It doesn't matter. Because this is a heart question. It's where do we put our priorities and our trust? You know, we can all put on the front, right? We can all kind of play the game of church. And that's why there's the warning about the visible church. It looks very good visually when there's lots of people in a sanctuary worshiping. But the invisible church is what's in the heart. And that's what God sees. Doesn't matter if we're here physically in this place or not. God knows what's in here. And so he knows your heart. He knows my heart. And it's a good time for us just to ponder that, you know? Am I slipping into the realm of the rich man? Or am I really with Lazarus in trusting in, in God's word? And there's still time. And it's good that the Lord presents this. This is really a tough text. But he brings it to us out of love. He brings it to us so that we never slip in to the realm of this rich man, that we put our trust in the Lord. And so, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we are blessed to be informed in this time of God's grace. But we're blessed to be informed also that we can continue to be prepared for our eternal dwelling, which is glory in heaven, which we see the blessings of, of Lazarus receiving at the end of his life. Now, it doesn't seem that way visibly, though, again, because even when Lazarus and the rich man die, you would think there would be a radical change, but, but there isn't yet visibly, because with the rich man, we hear that he was buried. And you know, anybody with that kind of prominence and that kind of wealth, uh, they're going to have probably a lot of people at their funeral service, right? And it's going to probably be grand and glorious. Oh, the most expensive grave, the most expensive casket, and there's going to be a lot of hoopla. It's going to be a big deal. And I think that's what Jesus is indicating by uh, emphasizing that he was buried. But you know, with the rich man, we don't hear anything about a burial. Now, we know the practice was to bury, and so I'm sure that his body was buried, but that's not the point that Jesus points out with Lazarus. With Lazarus, as we saw in that beautiful picture at the beginning, he's being ushered into glory as we hear Jesus describe it, by the angels carried into heaven. Wow, what a contrast. And here's where the case clearly changes and where the circumstances are totally different because now Lazarus is dwelling in heaven and the rich man is in hell. Do you notice how in our culture today people don't like to talk about hell? Boy, lots of, they'll mention heaven. You can bring up heaven with a lot of people. But it's like heaven is really, you know, we're all going to be in heaven one day. And there's this poo-pooing of or denying altogether the reality of hell. And guess who talks about hell more in Scripture than anybody else? Jesus. He's the one that brings up this topic the most, and he's the one 
that received all of God's wrath and anger. He's experienced hell. But he overcame it. He won the victory. And so it's important that we take this seriously and that we share this with people in the times in which we live. But the good news, Lazarus, despite the poverty and, the, and, and just the uh, pain and the agony he experienced on this earth, it's only for a very brief time, right? Compared to where we're going to dwell for eternity, whether it's in heaven or whether it is in hell. Well, and it's clearly the case in terms of their eternal relationship with God. And so we see that the rich man is eternally separated from God. Can you imagine the agony if you could actually see heaven from hell? And you see all the glory and the splendor and the perfect life that God wills for us to have. He created Adam and Eve to experience that with the hope we all would on earth. Sin messed that all up. But can you imagine day after day seeing that and you're living in absolute agony and there's no way that that'll ever change for eternity? Wow. But with Lazarus, he's living in the presence of the Lord. He's living now without all of those ailments that he battled physically in this life. He's living without those boils and those sores on his body. He's living a prosperous life. And that's the future of the church. That's the future of all believers. And so we can praise God this morning as we hopefully do every moment of every day. But to praise God specifically for informing us. To praise God for giving us His Word that is all-sufficient. And don't you love it? When, when the rich man says, Oh, Father Abraham, if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. I know Lance and I and Les and Terry, we've been in a Bible study together, and, and we've kind of talked about these things, how to witness. And, and uh, boy, if people reject the word... Whatever argument we bring to try and convince people, it's never going to be enough for most because it's the power of the word that really changes lives. And, and so, you know, uh, the Lord makes it very evident about that. And so the good news is, is that we are changed by the word of God. Faith comes, doesn't it, by hearing the word of God. In Romans 10, 17, and 2 Timothy 3, uh, 14 through 17, but as for you and Paul writing to Timothy, but to each one of us, the, the word is circular, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood, and for most of us in this room, we've known the word from childhood, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation. 
Don't you love it? Wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. God gives us everything necessary. It's not in signs, but it's in His written Word that we are blessed to even contemplate here together this morning. And so he changes our lives, he equips us, and he provides absolute security. Because in Isaiah 40, verse 8, God affirms to us the power of his word and the endurance of his word. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. We can bank on what the Lord tells us in his word. And the greatest message is the cross, right? And to know that Jesus has done it all. He's gone through hell and he's conquered it. And he lives. And we will never have to face hell because we have been delivered from that if we believe and trust in him. And so we are blessed to have 2020 vision. We have the vision now. This is it, this is reality. And the question is, what realm do we choose to be in? Really, we can't even choose to be with Lazarus, but God chose us, right? As he chose little Aidan Cook being baptized, given a name, called by name in his baptism as we have been, and we now are blessed to be part of his kingdom. I'd like to close, and this one we don't have for the screen, nor did I put it in the notes, but you may want to look at Colossians chapter 3 today. Verses 1 and 2, and I'm closing with this. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Such a short time of life on this earth compared to where we dwell for eternity. In the name of our Lord Jesus, who opens to us the gates of heaven. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and minds always in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.